This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to verse 44. That's where we're going with this passage of scripture. Luke 19, and we're going to start with verse 28. If you have your Bibles with you, I am super happy that you brought your paper Bibles with you. If you know me, I would love to see you guys bring your actual Bibles, okay? Uh, And if you have a notepad, bring it too. We learn the word, we take notes, we study throughout the week. So uh, it's going to be a good one. All right. Verse number 28, Luke chapter 19. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. He said, Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. Verse 32, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the coat, its owner said to them, why are you untying the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Can we pray? Father God, I thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, would you give us the ability to understand this word? Give me the ability to break this word down and to be able to explain it, Lord, like you explained it to me. I pray, God, that each and every person sitting over here will not go back home the way they walked in, but they will be encouraged, they will be strengthened, and you will speak to their hearts today. We want to give you praise. We want to give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Real quick, uh, the world, the Christian world today is celebrating or uh, is uh, is joining with uh, churches all around or the Christian world is joining uh, in, in celebrating what they will refer to as the Passion Week or what we refer to as the Passion Week, depending on what church you probably grew up in, uh, be it a traditional or non-traditional church, you have probably celebrated or have attended various meetings inside the church that had to do with the themes surrounding the Passion Week. The week starts today, traditionally, with what is referred to as Palm Sunday. All right, it refers to the triumphal entry as the Bible and the Gospels refer to, where Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem, proclaimed king over all of the land. Uh, we're, we're going to uh, kind of talk about that story today. 
if there's anything of importance that Jesus talks about in the Bible, it's very clearly mentioned. There is emphasis that Jesus places on certain important things that Jesus teaches. Uh, he will uh, pre pre prefix those things with uh, words such as verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you. He will tell people, listen to this, or I say this again, listen. There is emphasis and due emphasis laid on certain aspects that are important that Jesus refers to. All the gospel narratives, uh, the, the, you will find uh, different authors writing it, but most of the narratives have uh, certain, certain stories or many stories that you will find commonality in. There are, there are so many stories that are repeated throughout the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about uh, various stories that, uh, that you will see uh, that, that is on repeat. If, if, you, if you look, I don't have time to get into each one of that, but if you look at the stories, there are stories such as the, the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, Jesus being betrayed, all right, the birth of Jesus, uh, so on and so forth, and there's, there are miracles, there are uh, signs and wonders that Jesus did that are in that category, but the more and more we see that as repeated in every gospel, we see the importance of it underlined more and more. That in repetition comes importance. In repetition comes importance. I had a teacher growing up uh, when I was in high school and we knew what question she was gonna put on our test because she would pause in the middle of her lesson or in the review and say, listen carefully, I'm gonna repeat myself again, this is important. I made sure that I wrote only those things down and I scored well in our class, all right? There are some things that are important. That's a, that's a dead giveaway. Now, in this passage of scripture, as we study this, there are things that we're gonna be understanding. And, and, and this particular story is a story that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and all the gospels are very, very synonymous. Their, 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 their accounts of this story are so congruent. Now, the people of Israel were in town in Jerusalem for this mighty feast. Okay, there's this uh, one among the three big feasts. Uh, the Passover was, was about to be celebrated. And people from all over the country, all over the towns and the cities would come to Jerusalem for this one big event. It was the 10th day. Now, I want, you to be, I want you to listen carefully as I say this. It was the 10th day of the Hebrew month, Nisan. It was the 10th day of the Hebrew month, Nisan. Now, if you compare that to today's day in the Julian calendar, that would be April 6th in the year 32 AD. April 6th of 32 AD. But in the Hebrew calendar, the month's name was Nisan, like the car, Nisan, but there's only one S, N-I-S-A-N. And it was the 10th day that this account or this story begins. Now, this is important because I'm gonna come back to this at the end of the message, so I want you to keep this in your mind. Now, on this day, why this is significant, there's a little bit of context that I'll, be, I'll give you, so track with me this morning. On this particular day, every family in Israel would pick a lamb, all right? It might either have been a lamb that they would have reared at home, or they would go to the marketplace, and they would procure a lamb that was clean, that was free of any blemish. It was the most cleanest looking lamb. It was the most plumpest uh, lamb. It was the most amazing lamb because they wanted to give the best to the Lord. They would go and pick this out on the 10th day of that month. Four days will pass and on the 14th day, they would take this lamb to go and get it inspected by the priests on the Passover on which 
with the inspection passes, if there's no issues, no red flags, as soon as they get the inspection report back, this lamb then would be slaughtered as a sacrifice to God. It would be a, it was a, it was a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It was a sacrifice that God looked at them and said, hey, I want to, we, we were thankful to you, Lord. We want to give you praise. We want to give you glory. So that would happen on the day of the Passover. Now, I told you there are three important feasts and one of these feasts was the Passover. It was one of the main ones. And the historian Josephus would actually tell us that on that particular day, there were around 256,000 lambs that were killed on one day. So imagine how many lambs they had around at that point in time. All right? Now, here's the tricky part, though. Each family could have around 10 people. All right? Around 10 people in each family was covered under one lamb. All right, so if you didn't have 10 people, if it was like a family of four, you could invite another family member, or you could invite another family and two other people, some young adults to join you guys, like how we share our Netflix passwords and our Prime passwords, right? No one said amen, God bless you, right? <laughs> we can bring people in, and we can be like, come on, it's share time, right? So everyone would come together. Now, even if you did that, we're talking about 10 people per lamb, which is around 2.5 million people that were there in Jerusalem at that time. They would come out everywhere in the cities, the cities and the towns. And uh, on this particular day, Jesus made himself very visible. Now, I want, to, I want to set this up, okay? For three years, Jesus has been building his ministry all for this particular day. For three years, he has performed miracle after miracle, miracle after miracle, sign after sign, wonder after wonder. For three years, he has healed the sick, the lame, the blind, the leprous. For three years, Jesus has attracted one crowd after the other to teach them about the coming kingdom of God. That's all he was focused on. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then... Not more than about a week before this incident, the 10th day of the month, he goes into the home of his friends Martha and Mary, and there lay his friend for four days, he was dead, and he comes in, and like nothing ever happened, he resurrects this man from the dead. See, by the time Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the crowd has been primed. The crowd has palm branches in their hands and the Bible is saying they are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king cometh. Okay, there is this grand celebration that is about to happen. See, wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd of people. He was a controversial figure. Uh, at the same time, he was a popular figure. He undoubtedly had some powers that people knew about. People were talking about him. There was gossip going on. There were some people that didn't know if it, was, if it was right, if it was wrong, but he was known around those circles. And now there's a man that was dead for four days, and now he's walking, so that gave them more reason to talk. And people wanted to get a glimpse of him and take a selfie with him whenever they could, and, and this was a perfect opportunity. He was coming to the big feast. All right, Palm branches and trees and all of that. And they're singing Hosanna. What is it? They're quoting Psalms 118, where the Bible says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In one phrase, they were shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, and giving. I want to give you some context to this. Why palm branches? Palm branches didn't start that day. That wasn't the introduction of palm branches, so to speak. Four generations before Jesus was born, 
There was actually a struggle for Jewish independence. And I told you, track with me because this is a powerful message. And unless you join all the dots together, it wouldn't make any sense. It's one of those drawings that you get in elementary school that they ask you to join the dots. And unless you're patient and join one to two and three to four, don't go to sleep after three and wake up at 10 and say, oh, I don't know what he's talking about today. It wouldn't make sense, okay? So I need y'all to track with me throughout this message, all right? Now here we go. Four generations before Jesus was born, there was this struggle for Jewish independence, all right? And there was this Maccabean revolt that actually gave them this independence. What am I talking about? There was a Syrian king called Antiochus Epiphanes, and and it's this name that he actually gave himself, a title that he gave himself, which which meant the beast or the madman. Here was a man that actually persecuted, he killed the Jews, went around conquering every territory there was, but he was a tyrant. And then on the other hand, there was this Jewish leader called Judah Maccabee. He was called a hammer and he was a fairly religious man. He was upset with the Syrian occupation of the city of Jerusalem. He was upset, he was mad, he was angry, and he rallied an army of Jewish men to side against, with him to fight against the Syrians. So he was about to overthrow this government that was ostracizing them. So in, 19, in, in 163 BC, this man, Judah, enters Jerusalem riding on a massive stallion, all right, a horse. And people shouted and waved palm branches and they cheered. And you know what they said? They said, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Judah, at that point in time, was the hero. He was the one that was, that, that was, the, that was a called one, the one that they were waiting for to rescue them from the, from the hands of this madman, so to speak. They entered the city, they cleaned out the temple, they burnt incense, offered sacrifices, they lit a huge menorah that burnt for eight days, and to this day, our Jewish friends celebrate eight days of the festival of lights that they refer to to as Hanukkah, to celebrate this accomplishment. Now I want you, this is important because this all makes sense. See, now long afterwards, what happened over there was Judah was killed in battle, he died, and he was buried. But remember, before that, Judah came riding into the city. He was a victorious man. He was greeted by throngs of people who were shouting his praise. See, the people waved palm branches and cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. See, everything, everything paralleled with what occurred with Jesus when he entered four generations later. Except for one thing, when Judah entered the city, he was mounted on a horse. Why would he do that? I don't know. The animals are different. But I could, I could tell you this. He would do that because he wanted to ride a powerful animal as he entered Jerusalem because he wanted to show his majesty and his authority. He intended to set up an earthly kingdom and that required an earthly kind of power. That required an earthly arsenal of sorts. But in the end, what happens? He dies like every other human being dies. And so did his dream of building this earthly kingdom because that which is earthly will never last long. So the people of Israel wanted to make another Judah out of Jesus. They wanted to glorify him and put him on a pedestal and say, this guy is actually going to rescue us from the pangs of the Roman government. I want you to to track with me. This is good. All right? They brought out the palm branches. They were successful in overthrowing the Syrians. 
right? And they had this hope that, that, that this Jesus would deliver them the same way Judah did. They were hoping that he would be a political force. They were hoping that he would, Jesus would save them from the political threats of the Roman Empire. See, it was sweet because they were worshiping Jesus, but it was bitter because it was the same people that was worshiping him on Sunday that would actually turn their back on him on Friday. And in a few moments, you'll understand why. But unlike Judah, Jesus is not coming to fulfill an earthly desire that he has to reign on this earth. He was coming to fulfill his birth. See, Jesus was born so that he can die. His incarnation was, it led to his atonement, right? In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, the Bible says, he was the lamb that was slain, the lamb of God that was slain even before the foundations of the earth was laid. See, y'all, it was plain. This is why God wasn't shocked when Adam and Eve sinned. This is why God wasn't like, what? My creation, my loved ones, they sinned. He was, the plan was already in place. See, I'll tell you a good example. I have, I have three kids now. I have a six-year-old. I have a three-year-old, soon going to be three-year-old, and then I have a, a, a one-month-old. My three-year-old, I love when she eats spaghetti because it goes everywhere else except her mouth right? Have y'all ever seen a kid eating spaghetti? Because it's come to the point where we've tried the bibs and we've tried everything there is to try to the point where we've given up. And you know what we do now? We just take her clothes off, right? She's in her pull-ups when she's eating spaghetti because we know the disaster to come and we take the precautions. We're like, yo, this girl's going to get meatballs in the roof, like the ceiling. She's going she's gonna to fling spaghetti and noodles all over the place. She's going to be turning red and we're not going to be able to get the sauce off her clothes. So we just take the shirt off now because that's better. You see the mess coming so you address the issue. See, even Jesus knew it was coming. He always talked about the cross. He said, y'all, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be staying over here forever and ever. After I leave, this will happen. This is what's going to happen. He always prepared them for, for the time that he was going to go on the cross. But he decided to enter the city for this very last time in a way that would draw attention to himself for his hour had finally come. Till now, you know what Jesus did? He, he, it was, hey, don't tell anybody because my hour has not yet come. He looked at his own mom and said, hey, my hour's not come. Like, he would look at people that he healed and said, don't tell anybody. Like, go and show the priest in the temple, but don't tell anybody. We don't want to make a big deal out of this. Because he knew if people credited him for the deeds he did and what he did, he would have that, the, the, pos the, the slight possibility of being exalted for what he did, not who he was. Okay? Now, I want you to track with me. See, he said, tell no one what happened. Don't tweet it. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't put it on, don't even tag me, right? Don't even TikTok this. I don't want to go viral is what Jesus is saying. But today is a different story. He wants to make that move. It's time. Things are turning. He used to withdraw from crowds. Now he's intentionally moving into one. I want you to, this, this is good stuff. By contrast to Judah, see when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he doesn't come in on a horse. He comes in on a what? This is good. See, because a horse was considered an animal of war. When a king got onto a horse back in that time, in the Middle Eastern time, it meant that the king was getting ready for war. You better be on your guard because this king ain't playing. But here's the thing. 
A donkey is generally not considered an animal of war. See, you would think that he would come on a white stallion. You would think that if Jesus chosen to come into the city of Jerusalem and say, hey, I am king. I am the guy that you've been waiting for. I've been hiding all this while, but this is my time to shine. He'd be coming in on a white stallion, but no. I mean, one day he will. He'll be coming back on a white horse. I call it the air horse one. He's going to come back, y'all. Some of y'all didn't get that. But like in today's time, if he was to come back, man, it would be red carpet. It would be this long limousine that pulls up. It would be some bodyguards around. The eagle has landed. The eagle has landed. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. We, we, we'd be having some black, you know, black tuxedos running with the car and, and opening doors. No, no, no. That's what we would think of a king and welcoming the king. But Jesus rolled up in a Honda Fit. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm not hating on a Honda Fit. If anybody has a Honda Fit, good for you. But I don't fit in a Honda Fit. So I'm going to hate on a Honda Fit. If you know what I'm talking about. So if Jesus had to roll up today, like, behold, Hosanna, the king of the world, the king that we've been waiting for. Honda Fit, here we come. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it doesn't make sense. Because culturally in Rome, the conquering king would actually come on a donkey. A king that's going to battle will go on a horse, but a conquering king, a king that has won battle, a king that's actually coming to exclaim peace, and a king that's wanting to, Solomon, when he was introduced to the people after he was anointed king, do you know what animal he was brought in? He was brought in on a donkey. That's what in the ancient world, like you were the hero when you actually came in on the donkey. I know it doesn't make sense, but culturally, if a king would come to wage war in a city, he would come on a horse. But he became, but, 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 but Jesus came into the city riding on a donkey and his message was clear and simple. I come in peace, not because I have peace, because I am peace. Now this is powerful because we're going we're gonna to see the, the, the context to this. In Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was a fulfillment of the prophecy. The Old Testament prophets had pointed out to this day. But guess what? He's rolling up in his Honda Fit with an arrest warrant on his head. Like, this is no ordinary Jesus walking in, first time miracle, no, 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 this is not wedding in Cana. This is, oh man, this guy is a danger to us and the Roman government has put like a price on his head. There are posters of Jesus, wanted signs all over the city at this point. And Jesus walks in, not as a victim, but as a victor. This is good, y'all. In verse 38, there's this cry that's let, let out that says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna there says, save now, save us. Their cry was based, it was basically this, Lord, we're, we're going through a hard time under this Roman government. They're giving us such a hard time. We're ready, Lord. Can you take control? That's who they saw Jesus as. They saw him as Judah 2.0. Am I talking to somebody? The promised one. Jesus is the one that's going to come out and take us out of this 
temporary misery. Am I talking to somebody? Like Judah took them out of their temporary misery. Now they're back under the Roman rule. Maybe in our generation, Jesus will give us peace. All they thought about was the present when Jesus was like, I don't care about the present. I care about eternity. That's why I am here. I don't offer peace for the moment. I offer peace forever. That's my name. My name is Prince of Peace. And he's like, I only wish you understood the depth of that. This is good, y'all. Because that's who they saw Jesus as. See, about a year before this, Jesus was teaching in a large crowd. I don't know if you remember that, out in the country, and it was getting late, and the people were hungry. You remember when Jesus instructed his disciples to go feed them? But the only food that they had in, in their hand was this small lunch from a little boy that they go and take, it was small enough to to feed one or maybe even two people, but Jesus takes it and he multiplies his food and he feeds everyone present and they had had so much food that they had 12 baskets. Remember that story? They had 12 baskets remaining and guess what happened on that day? In John chapter six and verse 15, catch this. It says, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again the mountain himself alone. This is an amazing story of every single time. They wanted to make him the king. They wanted him to be. He had to withdraw himself because Jesus was on a mission. See, anybody on a mission, I want you to remember this. Do not be distracted by the fleeting awards of the world. Do not be enthralled. Do not be entertained. Do not entertain the little plaudits and the medals and the good jobs and the, you know, stickers that people put on you and say, oh, great job. You're doing great. You're doing amazing. See, the problem is so many people settle for that that they don't care about why God first put them in where they are in the first place. I'm not being appreciated in my work, brother. I I do everything in my power. they They don't appreciate me. It doesn't matter. God put you there in the first place. If God puts you there in the first place, he has a plan for you. All you're looking at is temporary. And you know what? There are people that might get plaudits and promotions, but if you seek those promotions, all your joy will end when those promotions end. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, Lord, I, Jesus was just basically saying this me, like focus on this is what I'm trying you to understand. If you have me, you have everything that I have to offer. But the problem with the world and us Christians is that we want, to, we want what Jesus offers. And we want to make him king of our lives because of what he has to give us and what he has to offer us. I don't know about you, but that's me. Every single time I'm blessed, oh, Lord, you're king of my life. I thank my Jesus. Oh, he is such a good God. How many of you rest God's goodness on the good things that are happening in your life? And Jesus is trying to explain this and saying, my goodness is goodness regardless if you're going through good or bad, I'm a good God. See, when we understand that principle, church, you're taking strides in understanding the kingship of Jesus because he says, my kingship doesn't change based on the fact that you're going through a good time or not. He didn't come to give you a good time. He didn't promise us a bed of roses. Come on, am I talking to some? And this is what he's saying. He's like, the moment he saw that he, they were supposed to glorify him in the world, he was like, get out of here. Be careful of the people that try to glorify you momentarily. Because the problem is you might get stuck in that. You might get stuck in the worldly applause that you constantly seek for it because it's attracting, trust me. When people want to elevate you, and Jesus is like, I don't want to get distracted by that. 
Guess what the devil told him? Takes him to the highest point and he says, look, everything. You hear what I'm saying? Like that is so attracting. Everything is yours. You see this? Look at Eve. Look at this. You will become like God. But the ability that God has given you and me in saying, no, 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 I have a bigger purpose. I have a bigger plan. I have a bigger calling. God has placed me for something bigger and better. I pray that God will give discerning to some people to run away from situations that try to bog you down and lock you down and try to put you away. God is looking at some of you all and saying, don't be okay with temporary plaudits and temporary applauses. Be okay with looking at God and saying, I'm willing to sacrifice the temporary joys for the eternal joy that is set before me. And that is what God is driving to some people this morning oh man come on see that crowd sensed that Jesus had the bearing to be the long-awaited king of Israel but the kind of king they wanted wasn't what Jesus had in his mind see they wanted an earthly king they wanted Judah 2.0 someone say Judah 2.0 a king who would not only sit up on the throne of David but actually lead forth in battle against these hated Romans Lord, the temporary, we just want to be free. We just want to be delivered. I don't care what happens generations down the line. I don't care about my salvation or my eternity. God, now. How many of you get so distracted by healing for the now that you lose focus of eternity? Hmm. He was everything that you could hope for in a leader. Jesus was charismatic. He was decisive. He was powerful. He was capable of feeding thousands of people. Man, unlimited food, sign me up. Be my leader. Come on, somebody. I will elect anybody to president. Make sure you give me food free for the rest of my life. Ideal candidate. He was healing the wounded, raising the dead. Like what army on the face of the earth could stand up against such a king? That is security. You have security in that. How many of y'all are going to say no to security? No. They wanted an earthly king, but they wanted Jesus, but they wanted Jesus on their own terms. I'm going to say that again for those of you who missed that. They wanted a Jesus. They wanted a king. They wanted King Jesus, but they wanted King Jesus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh-uh. That's not how Jesus comes. They wanted a deliverer and a Messiah that would conform to their plans instead of them conforming to his plans. Oh, mm. They wanted Jesus to destroy Rome, not to vanquish their sins. Can I step on some toes? See, they didn't want Jesus to mess with their hypocritical, superficial, cherished traditions and values. I want to still hold on to this, Jesus. See, they just wanted him to do what they wanted at that time. They will sing praises to a Jesus who they think will give them wealth, success, and happiness. I'm, I'm guilty of that, y'all. I'm guilty of praising my Jesus only when things are going good and when things are going bad. I don't show up at church. I don't show up for Wednesday night prayers. I don't show up. I don't take my kids to church. Because why? Because we're going through a hard time. And where was Jesus when that happened? I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But here's the same people. They will crucify a king that will require and demand obedience, commitment, and devotion. You're okay with a king that blesses? But a king that says, I need your time? Nah, I, I think I'm good, Jesus. See, this is the same group of people who will lay down the palm branches and shoot his praises up when they expect him to do what they want him to do. But when he doesn't live up to their standards, these are the same people that would reject him and turn their backs on him. 
There's so many of us Christians that like the idea of God or even think that Jesus is special. See, I'm a Christian and love Jesus, but I don't agree with this part of the Bible. I don't, I feel that that's ancient, Pastor. I feel like, yeah, you know what, that part, I don't know about that. Holiness, I don't know about that. No, it says, be holy for I am holy. See, I love Jesus, but I don't like this thing that he says. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, Jesus talks about that. The Bible says there are a few people that actually got up and left. They said, we don't want to be disciples because it's hard to accept your teaching. <laughs> you remember that? They said, sorry, Jesus, but we can't agree with this. We can't, like, we can't adjust our lifestyle to meet the demands of what you want. You know what Jesus looked at them and said? Go. And he had the audacity to look at the rest of them and said, do y'all want to leave too? Like, if y'all have the wrong idea, like we have the wrong idea, if, if we think that our Jesus is a Jesus that bends and molds, saying, you like it that way? All right, let me be that for you. No, 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 that's not. He says, I am the same unchanging God yesterday, today, and forever. That's, that's who he is. He is the same unchanging God. And he says, you don't, I don't fit into your mold. I, I will make you what I want you to be. I need someone to agree with me this morning. Uh, this is good. Hmm. Some of us have it difficult in our walk with God because he doesn't measure up to our expectations. Because of that, we struggle with our faith. Every time we face something as a family, our first thing is, let's run away from God because he doesn't measure up to the goodness that we perceive him to be. The good God that he's supposed to be, he doesn't measure up to that. See, sometimes we don't understand why God does things contrary to our desires. We don't understand why he does things certain ways. See, this often makes us bitter. It makes us angry. And some people will come up to you and say, man, this tragedy happened in my life and I've lost my faith because of it. Can I, can I just be blunt? I'll be like, hey, go ahead and lose it. Go ahead. Why? Why, pastor? Why, why are you saying that? Because here's the thing. A faith that cannot sustain you in crisis is not a strong faith. A faith that cannot be tested, I'm afraid, cannot be trusted. See, God is able to do whatever he pleases with whomever he chooses, whenever he wishes. But they wanted a king for one day. They wanted a king for a moment. They wanted a king for a season. They wanted a king for a generation. But my God was like, I'm not a king for one generation. I'm a king from generation to generation to generation to generation. What you're wanting from me will end in this generation. And if I die, I will not. No, no, no. But my calling is different. He says, I'm coming in on a donkey. Judah came in on a horse, but I'm coming in on a donkey. This is different. You know, the Bible actually talks about that Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he wept. He did that once before that at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend. And a few days later, he looks over Jerusalem and he weeps loudly. You know why? Because he's saying, because you don't get it. Because you don't understand my heart. Three years. That's all I've been telling you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, the Father's house. I've been repeating to you these motifs over and over again and trying to train your minds to understand it's not the temporal. It's not the worldly stuff. It's bigger. It's mightier. When I leave, this will happen. This will happen because he had healed. He had fed. He had saved. He had set free. His ministry was almost over. It was only a matter of hours before one of those disciples would actually turn his back on him. 
He'd be turned under the, to turn into the authorities, first to Caiaphas and then to Pontius Pilate. But when he looked over Jerusalem, he didn't look at it one generation. He looked to the future of generation. He said, this is going to be a disaster if you don't get the Prince of Peace that is standing in front of you. Because destruction was about to hit them in 40 years. In 70 AD, Titus would lead the Romans into Jerusalem. There would be a 143-day siege. 600,000 Jews would be put to death. Thousands would be taken captive. And Josephus, the historian, says that there were rivers of blood that flowed through the city. Temple, the temple was burned. Every stone in the temple was dismantled piece by piece. And Jesus didn't take pain. He didn't take pleasure in the pain and the suffering. He just wept. Because the people were saying, Hosanna, thinking that he was just there for the moment. But all he wanted them to understand was the Prince of Peace is a Prince of Peace that can bring peace for eternity. Worship team, you guys, you guys can come up. And this is why this is important, church. You remember at the beginning of the message I told you on the 10th day of the Hebrew Nisan? was the day that the Israelites would go and pick a lamb, the best one. You know why? Because that lamb represented the sacrifice. Every sin, every, everything that was built up, every guilt, every shame was supposed to be botched away when that sacrifice, the best, the most amazing was taken. It's, it was just not a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. It was a sacrifice to look and say, hey, Every sin is blocked away. On the 10th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan, a lamb was picked, okay? On the 14th day, four days later, it was to be sacrificed. On this exact day, the 10th day, I want you to picture this. Families are holding lambs in their hand. They went to the marketplace, picked out the best lamb. They're holding it in their hand. Why? In four days, all the sins are going to be lifted up. Man, there's going to be remission. There's, we're going to get pardoned. Guilt is going to leave. All of that is going to be taken care of and dealt with. Lambs in hand. Some of the family, you can hear lambs bleeding all over the city. This is good. You can hear the voice of lambs bleeding all over the city. And in a few days, those voices will be silenced. And for a year, they wouldn't have to do that again. Just for a season. But on the same day, the Lamb of God, the Bible calls him the Lamb that was put in place before the foundations of the earth were laid. This Lamb got onto a donkey and he said, I come as a propitiation. It was, it was mind-blowing, but he cried because they didn't see it. Lamb in one hand, branch in the other they were singing Hosanna because they all they wanted was Judah 2.0 he's like I'm Jesus I'm the promised one you don't need that lamb in your hand because of me in four days that lamb would be killed but he was trying to tell them that in four days, in a few days, he said, this lamb will be inspected by a Pontius. And this lamb will be inspected by this and this and spit on. 
turned on, my clothes will be ransomed and all of that stuff. But here's the difference with this lamb. They will try to silence this lamb. But what they don't know is three days later, this lamb will bleat again. Not as a victim, but as a victor. See, it's fascinating chronology. Indisputable history. Mm. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I, don't know, I do not give you as the world gives. I don't give you Judah 2.0. I don't give you what you have in your hand. That's a year's worth, man. Next year, you're going to come back and do the same thing. But he says, my peace, I give to you. I come in riding on a donkey. I come in peace. But not only do I bring peace, I am peace. It's not the peace that the world gives. It's not the temporary peace. It's not the food. It's all of this is just a part and a parcel of what I can offer. But you need to understand that it's me. It's, it's Jesus. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So later on in that passage in Luke 19, 41, the verse I said, he approached Jerusalem. Can you stand up to your feet, church? As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, here's what he said. Are you ready for this? He said, if you, even you, okay, had only known on this day what would bring, bring you peace, but now is hidden from your eyes. Ah. And he prophesies and says, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you. 40 years from now, he's talking about that. And encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. In another translation, it says, because you did not recognize the visitation of Jesus. Man, this, he's coming, but the sad thing is so many Christians do not enjoy Christ and does not see the benefit of Jesus and the power of Jesus in their lives because all we care about is what we can get from Jesus. And he's like, I'm not a Judah 2.0, y'all. Jesus I am life I am the alpha I am the omega I am the beginning I am the end I am peace I am hope I am love I am who I am and only if you can understand that that's what he was crying about and today I feel that God is looking at some people and saying would you take a moment just to say Jesus I want you that's all I want some of us to decide today and saying, God, yeah, these blessings are great, God, and all of this is good. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for blessings, but can we just pray for the fullness of God in our lives? Because if I, I assure you this, if you have Jesus, you have it all. I can tell you from my experience, from somebody that started chasing the world and the riches of the world, I can assure you of this one thing. That all of that was futile and I wish, I wish I could go back in time to correct those mistakes 
in saying, God, I, I wish I can go back and say, I, I just wanted to be about you and your kingdom and your, your mercy and your grace. I want this to be about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.